0: Welcome to the Holistic University podcast, featuring your well-being coaches Sydney and Elena.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Holistic University. My name is Elena Siebold, and
0: I'm Sydney Roussel.
1: Welcome back. Today we are so honored, lucky. Wow, we are jittering with excitement here, probably because we're dietetics majors. But we have URI's very own dietitian Kelly Kidd with us today. Hi, everybody. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> So how are you? How was yeah. your Thanksgiving? Um, Thanksgiving was good. A little bit different this year, a little, a little
2: more quiet. Um, usually I'm, I'm doing um, a turkey trot um, at, at our, our our, Y in, in Middletown. Um, and this year I did not. I did a run on my own and just had a, a quiet um, family Thanksgiving with just um, my husband and my two kids. So a little bit different, but so was COVID this year, right?
0: right exactly yeah I think I think that was the same for Elena and I just a smaller thing kind of breaking out of the normal traditions a little bit but it was still a great Thanksgiving
1: yeah and a lot of great food yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish Kelly
2: uh, definitely stuffing
0: stuffing do you make your own stuffing or is it a family recipe um
2: I typically do this year because my kids think that um I push nutrition a little bit too much I let them taste the box stovetop um which they thought was amazing (laughs) I do try to make more things from from scratch and have them appreciate like what real food is but <laughs> sometimes i lose the battle to yeah. yeah. the yeah mass-produced items
1: oh stuffing's amazing my mom puts the <laughs> stuffing inside the turkey which is probably not fda approved or proper food safety but it produces <laughs> the best stuffing ever i'd recommend that <laughs> But we're just going to be asking you (laughs) a couple questions today just you know conversational see what got you started with being a dietitian what like connected the dots things you love about it and everything that sounds great
0: (laughs) yeah so can you connect the dots for us like what brought you to where you are today and what is your favorite part of what you're doing
2: um oh okay so a lot of dots um i um opted or decided to be a a nutrition uh, major or dietitian when I went to Penn State. I ran um, cross-country and track for Penn State, um, and changing my um, eating helped me take minutes off of my running time, and I was like, this is amazing that nutrition can just help you feel so good. Um, and then at Penn State, we were really fortunate to have one of the first sports dietitians on staff, Chris Clark. And she was an absolute role model for me. Um, you know, I was like, I want to be her when I grow up. Um, so, you know, I think that kind of set the stage. Um, and then fascinating, you know, just going into my internship, which was at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, um, seeing how vast and broad nutrition is. Um, that, you know, I, I spent several years in, in clinical, um, working at Emory for a little while. Then I went to University of Washington and um, was a teaching assistant for their internship program and worked at, at their hospital and got my master's degree there. And um, so the, the clinical aspect was fascinating. Um, my husband was in the Army. Um, so we kind of were around the country and um, I... Um had the amazing fortune to work at West Point um for nine years. And um that was such an amazing job. Um, because as I say that on um, there nutrition um took on more meaning um because truly the choices that the cadets made and eventually when they um were deployed could be the difference between life or death for them with how they, wow. they fared if they were wounded. So them learning good nutrition and and really reinforcing it was that was you know one of the greatest experiences that that i've had i had to to leave there um when my my husband took commands we did a little stint in um kansas and then we ended up in um rhode island for um kind of twofold reasons um my best friend lives here she's a a, a doctor at uh, women in inference and then um at the time my son um had some medical conditions um, and we needed access to Boston Children's. So interestingly, um, having him, he had um, seizures, he was on the ketogenic diet. Um, and I was able to tap into the dietitians at Boston Children's and through that diet, he has been seizure free since um, 2011 or uh, 12, yep. Um, so, you know, the nutrition is absolutely powerful um, you know, and that was to me a, a personal testimony of how medical nutrition therapy can, you know, make a world of difference. So that's how we ended up in Rhode Island, um, and then. Uh, eventually this position became available, which is just kind of the perfect combination for me because I love nutrition counseling and I get to work with the athletes as well. So um, I I have two different hats at at URI. I'm the the sports dietitian um, and then additionally, the um, dietitian that um, does the nutrition counseling and helps with nutrition education. So it's a long journey, uh, but that's how I'm here and a lot of different um, areas that nutrition touched my life in.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about um, being a dietitian for West Point because you came into my freshman year NFS 210 class, and once you started talking about working with the soldiers and everything, I got so intrigued. I find that so interesting. So what specifically did you do with them when it came Um, to that? So, I mean, like, I I think because I
2: was, I I don't know, like, I just didn't know any different, but the day would start at – Um, about 7 or 7.30, and there, um, at the time, there were about 2,500, 3,000 cadets, and they all ate at the same time. Um, So 3,000 people were standing at tables of 10, And then they would say take seats and they would sit down and they would all eat um, um, family style. So I was in charge of um, menu development and coordination with the um, mess hall staff there. Um, So during meals, I would walk around and and kind of monitor what they were eating, get their preferences, pat them on the back if they were having, um, you know, their fruits and vegetables and their plate looked colorful um, and, and just, you know, kind of get some feedback and do some reinforcement. I did a lot of nutrition counseling. I um, worked with it. the athletic teams, um, you know, worked with, it, you know, the, the West Point is no different than any other university. There were eating disorders there as well. So I was on the, the eating disorder multidisciplinary team. Um, and then I had a lot of um, duties as otherwise specified, where I um, got to go to a lot of different meetings and brief generals and <laughs> come up with with different um, policies and procedures. But it was it was absolutely amazing. They they called you ma'am all the time and <laughs> and always couched any any criticism with two compliments. So <laughs> I really appreciated that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I've had to ask because I found that just so completely interesting. I was like blown away. I was like, you could be a dietitian for West Point, like oh. it was awesome. Yeah.
0: So I'd like to know what a typical day looks like when you're working with the athlete, now versus when you're doing counseling with students.
2: Okay, I'm um, Sue. So- they're kind of similar, um, except the day's a little more intense when I'm down in athletics. Um, so non COVID and the, the athletes will come to the, the training room and I will see them. We just schedule appointments throughout the day. Um, and typically I'm working individually for, um, performance optimization. Sometimes it's to heal from injuries or if they had a recent surgery, um, you know, kind of a pregame um eating techniques um just making sure that they know how to navigate through life here and um, also pre covid. We set up a um, it was the start of the fueling station, but we targeted recovery first because we had a, a, a limited budget Um, so that is part of um, what I do there right now it's kind of on a little bit of a pause but we'll start it back up um in the the spring semester and um, so there um, just because it was the most cost efficient uh, recovery nutrition option we went with with chocolate milk so um, a lot of times I'm, I'm coordinating the ordering and, and hauling it in and making sure that that it's, it's um, you know staying at the right temperature and um, getting distributed Um, appropriately. Um, Then I'm also working with um, some of the coaches or the athletic training staff um, just to make sure that the athletes are getting what they needed Um, I work um, also in conjunction with dining services um, to make sure that you know, we're, we're finding ways for the, the athletes to, to get the, the food that they need. Um, so there's there's a couple of different areas. Um, some of the strength coaches uh, will work on like travel meals, um, suggestions that they have when, when the athletes are at, at various locations.
1: What's your impact on like dining services? Because I know a lot of students always make commentary when it comes to dining halls and like grab and goes. And sometimes it's just what's easier. But then you have the people who, if they're in the health major or – like to talk about health and nutrition. They're like, oh, I want this in the dining hall. I want this. And all the allergies and different types of lifestyle eating habits people follow. What's your role when it comes to that?
2: So they have an amazing dietitian, Karen or- Ornabona. Um, I think she spoke to your class as well. So she is the primary um, person who deals with it, the allergies. Um, so typically, it's just a lot of um, coordination or feedback from what I'm receiving through counseling. You know, through the um, various nutrition education processes um, and then you know probably once or twice a semester I'll try to set up a meeting with the, the director just to kind of review things and get an idea of um, you know the, the direction they're going um, this semester I I worked a little bit more with their communications person because we were trying to you know some of the the various um, online strategies are you know trying to um, reach students where they were this um with COVID, um, and then um, their one of their chefs, um, Chef Aaron, um, has just been you know amazing with his little um, videos about um, you know quick cooking techniques. His his pizza, that homie, um, that fresh pizza station that they have now. I don't know if you were able to to check that out while you were here, um, but that's pretty amazing. Uh, and you can you know with a, I think it's get mobile app now. You can individualize. Um, what pizza looks like. So, um, and then they're they're also expanding that um, to some different options that are going to be available in the union. So we're trying to take the feedback we get from the different students, and then they turn it into practice. So um, there's definitely some communication, but they're doing yeoman's work to to make it all happen. <laughs>
1: If you had a position in like the government that was in charge of like nutrition, like regulating food or like a position high up in like the FDA or USDA, what would be like the first thing you would change or try and implement? It would be I, I
2: think it's such a delicate balance. and I've um kind of like tried to figure out the the best way to approach this, even you know kind of starting the conversation with um some of the the professors here um because I think, you know, um, a hard balance as dietitians that, that we have to look at is first and foremost, like, ultimately, we have to make sure that people have food, right? Um, and then depending on resources and availability, then maybe we can get a little more um, um, specified in the nutritional value of, of food. I think and maybe it's unfounded because I'm not in government. But you know, a slight frustration I have is with um, you know commodity crops. Um, you know, and but also on the other hand, knowing that farmers have to have a living, right? And if we don't have farmers, we don't have food. Um, so maybe figuring out that balance, like how do we let farmers farm um, in a way that provides the most nutrition, not where it's turning into this like mega corporation that, you know, then our nutrition is compromised. So
1: I don't know, I would, I think I would
2: have to to learn a little bit more about that, the processes, but finding a different way and then, you know, making every single person, <laughs> you know, that, that are are uh, the basis of, of some of the way that some of the policies were in the, the past based on the commodity crops versus, um, you know, maybe what's, what's better for folks.
1: Yeah. I just found that interesting because it's like you don't really hear too much and or I just need to research more about nutrition and like the acts they're taking to like feed the full population, making sure everybody can live a healthy lifestyle and eat the foods that they can eat. So I was just curious of like your view on that. Yeah, I think I, I mean, it's definitely I
2: mean, there's a lot of um, I don't know if you would consider like just kind of like um, decision points throughout the day that I feel that, that I'm making that. I don't know if I have the, the, the best answer, the best approach, you know, even, um, Oh, grocery store shopping. Right. Like most of the food that we get there is really packaged. Right. And if we're trying to help with sustainability and prevent, you know, plastic, um, if I'm promoting tons of fruits and vegetables, usually there's a ton of plastic that goes along with that. Right? So that is a a hard point for me. Um, you know, so, um, and then, you know, different, like I was talking about some of the, the commodity crops, you know, um, I think for people that can tolerate it, dairy is amazing, but there's also a huge percentage of the world's population that does not tolerate it. So I think, you know, as dietitians, we have to be flexible with that and, you know, appreciate that everybody has different individualized needs.
0: Yeah, I think think that that's great and really insightful there. Um, And one of the other talk to you about that kind of goes off of this is you're kind of combating that at a, at a local level with the CHOP challenge at URI and giving leftover produce to students that maybe didn't even have access to that before. Could you tell us a little bit about the CHOP challenge?
2: Sure. So um, some of the different groups that um, work with URI with um, the research farms here in Pavignano and has been just amazing about coordinating some of this extra um produce that's available at that times so we we're just trying to to figure out a way to get it in the hands of, of students when it was available um, which tends to be like the end of the summer beginning of the the fall um so that was it was just an attempt with having like a, a cooking challenge using some of the, the available uh, produce that that was available um to get students excited about it um something that that I'm looking into um post-COVID and hopefully this time next year will be like remember when we made it through the pandemic um (laughs) but would just be um maybe some more um spaces on campus for gardens um that that students could get involved in um you know because a lot of students they, you know, they, they haven't seen where garlic comes from or what it actually looks like, you know, when it's growing, for example. Um, and it's just a great stress relieving opportunity. So I think that it would be fantastic if we could have different sites around campus with with different groups that um, we're involved in in that, the growing and, and kind of harvesting of it. So, um, you know, taking it an extra step further um, is, is a hope that I have. So if you guys have any interest in that <laughs> um, <laughs> going
1: into the summer next year, let me know. I definitely do. Um, Speaking about the pandemic and everything, because cases are rising everywhere. I see it on the news because my mom watches it all the time. (laughs) Do you have any tips and tricks? Because when we went into this first pandemic, it was kind of like free-for-all, grab everything you can in supermarkets. And I don't know about you guys, but it was hard to find foods that I implemented into my lifestyle that benefit me. So do you have any tips of like what to do or like how to combat that in a way yeah absolutely and i think that you know with you
2: know grocery shopping i think especially when the pandemic first hit we really were like is it fomites? like is it what we touch like you know and i think more and more we're finding that is it's aerosol so um you know i think that my tip for grocery shopping would be to try to get in and get out as fast as you can so going in with some sort of list you know if you know your grocery store like the way i make my list is i like picture every aisle and i do it that way so um it's just like in order um but i think you know just having that list and you're just like you know grabbing um what you need um um, you know, kind of like just minimizing the, the time in there. Um, and then just being flexible, you know, as dietitian um, majors, like you, you probably know the, the different, you know, protein and starch uh, options or vegetable options. But yeah, like, I definitely think that there were um, times that maybe an ingredient that I preferred to use wasn't available. So being like, okay, okay, there's no, you know, I don't know, like black bean, you know, can I use like a white bean or, you know, with, if, if people, um, you know, just kind of tapping into some of things like, um, you know, like canned tuna or some of like even canned salmon, I got, I'm um, really creative with canned salmon, um, and found that you can make like essentially crab cakes with canned salmon. <laughs> so, um, you know, like, um, and, and, and just like, I would search like, um you know substitution ingredient substitution all the time um and and just we just have to kind of be like and be flexible right like you know there is no perfect superfood you know there's components of of different fruits and vegetables that make them nutritious or different protein options but there are going to be in other ones too so um you just kind of knowing that the basics of, of putting together a balanced meal do I have a protein a good grain a fruit or a vegetable and just Going with that, if you have to tap into canned or frozen um, fruits and vegetables, then then you do that, and you just again going back to what is our ultimate need, which is just to get food. So um, sometimes we can't be as um, as particular as as other times.
1: Yeah, I just found that yeah. interesting because it seems like that's a possibility where we might be going back to again because it is getting colder. So.
0: And I like how you said that too, like you can do the frozen fruit and vegetables at this time, you know, we're kind of out of the season for, for fresh and, and if you're trying to limit how many times you're going to the grocery store, frozen is still a great option.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and for like just college students or, or folks living on their own, like I really do promote having frozen vegetables because then it just reduces the waste. Um, so, and, and right now I would argue that they're probably even a little more, um, nutritious because they were flash frozen versus however far they had to travel. Um, so yeah, absolutely tap into, you know, and then I just kind of buy like one or two extra canned or shelf stable or frozen options when I go to have just a little something on, on hand, just in case.
1: Um, what is your favorite food? I'm sorry. I have to ask because I'm. I think we're all foodies because
2: mm. we study
1: food all the time.
2: So, gosh, okay. I'm
1: gonna say I'm originally from Pennsylvania.
2: So I'm gonna say pizza, um, and and good pizza from from home from northeastern Pennsylvania. So. Pizza wow. from Pennsylvania. I didn't know that
0: Pennsylvania had great pizza.
2: Uh, oh yes, there's so many like where um I grew up. There's just a, a very large um Italian population, or there was when I was growing up. Um, so oh mm, it's like new york style pizza it's um, it was am- it is amazing when i get to go back yes <laughs> so yeah. so that i i would say that that still ranks as, as my
1: favorite food oh i'm a new yorker so i know pizza <laughs> yeah
0: exactly <laughs> yeah you two can battle it out on who has the best pizza <laughs> So, Kelly, what are some of the biggest diet misconceptions, like nutritional myths of our time right now? I know that there's a lot, but which ones really get you?
2: So, I, I think my frustration and why I look to all of you to be like our, our shining future um is this, I don't know, like it just feels like this incessant need to prove each other wrong. Um, you know, like with these, like, like polarized diet approaches. Right. And I think that, um, so that like, just kind of is, is something that is hard for me to just take a deep breath. And, um, you know, n- there is no one superior eating pattern really, um, for every single person, I, I think, um, so when people are like, oh, it has to be X, um, you know, i think that maybe in certain circumstances that that is correct um but you know there's a lot of um woo, different documentaries that that have been out recently that are that, that are meant to be sensationalized and kind of skewed the way that the the data is presented it doesn't mean that those eating patterns aren't fantastic but it doesn't mean that every single person needs to adopt that that eating pattern um you know so i i as i mentioned in the beginning right like like truly i think the ketogenic diet saved my son right like he is like seizure free out there no medication nothing now um but i don't think it's the right eating pattern for an athlete um you know because it it creates down regulation of glycogen storage just by default so you know for for the the mantra to be like you must be on keto or you must be on paleo um you know i think that that is um very upsetting to me. Same thing with intermittent fasting. I think that there's an application for it. Um, I think what they're finding is it's not effective for females. Um, so I think that there's a lot of research missing on on um, on what the impact is on females versus males. Um, I think that um, in a college setting, it creates a lot of challenges when people um, become like hyper focused on intermittent fasting. Um, but I do think that there's an application for it at times. So, um, you know, I think that the all or nothing approach or, you know, like right or wrong is probably what is the most maddening to me right now. Like when I got out of um, school, ultra low fat was, um, you know, really the, the way to go. Like that was, um, you know, the, the big push, um, you know, and, and then the food manufacturers went crazy with that. And then, you know, I think that's really when we saw the rise of so much added sugar and, um, you know, the, the the items being the way they are now. So, um, you know, now the pendulum swung where, you know, carbohydrates are evil. Um, so I think just individualizing things is is the way that I would prefer that we all approached it. And I'm excited that that you all are going to come with it as as a as a fresh <laughs> group because I think traditionally, dietitians um, have the perception of being very rigid, um, you know, and this is how we learned it and there's no other way um, versus, okay, you know, let's, let's hear your side and um, just being open to different um, approaches to, to healthy eating.
0: Yeah, I think that that's all really great. And that's something that Elaine and I actually talk about on the podcast a lot is like the black and white thinking and how that can be super problematic, especially in terms of dieting and your mentality around that. Um, And yeah, with the diet, with all the different diets, you're correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're kind of saying there's nothing inherently wrong with any of the diets, but it doesn't mean that it's perfect and right for you to like follow it to perfection
2: right and then and then i think just um you know oh gosh thousands and thousands of people that that i've counseled um like even the word diet i'm like mm. um like because the you know the back to that black or white thinking right like the the approach for so many has been like i'm i'm gonna do this for a short period of time and then go back to what I did before, not kind of looking at the big picture and figuring out how can I um, modify my lifestyle um, to, you know, maybe find it a better balance um, and not do these like short-term, quick, quick fixes um, that I think end up in many cases causing more more harm than good.
1: Yeah, we've talked about kind of how, and I said this, I think a podcast or two ago, of how when. I had to lose weight for a medical condition I had, it was about finding the gray area in the black and white, which we were talking about how some people kind of need to realize because it's either, oh, I'm going to lose X amount of weight by Christmas, or I'm not going to do anything at all. And then we were talking about how, yes, like there's a bunch of different eating patterns, but every single body is different. So it's like, if someone's promoting, oh, eat peanut butter to grow your booty, it's like that may work for that person. But your body's completely different than that person. So it's interesting to hear you talk about the points that we've been talking about. <laughs> See all nutrition, we, we think alike, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're heading right. into finals week. Very stressful time. I want to know what activities or techniques you do to de-stress and relax that maybe could help benefit us during this time. So, so absolutely.
2: And I think that um, this is such a timely discussion. So making sure um, that you're taking a few minutes um, to just like get some deep breaths. You know, I I think also a key thing is just getting outside for even a few minutes, even it doesn't mean that you're having to do anything um, extensive, just five minutes of breathing fresh air, I think is so helpful. Um, and then maybe just having um, a list of like three or four things that, that you that folks enjoy doing, and then just you know carving out maybe it's ten or fifteen minutes to reset, um, with listening to a song or two, or maybe watching like one Netflix show, or taking you know a few minute walk. I think that that is critical to, to put into place. I also think that it is absolutely imperative that folks try as much as possible to stay on a general schedule, like generally eating consistently throughout the day um, and, you know, trying to make sure that um what I call distraction eating isn't taking place, right? Like where you're like, oh, I'm so tired of studying. Maybe I'll just get up and grab a snack. um, You know, that, that just kind of being like, mindful um of what what you're having so um if you if somebody finds that they're they're doing that maybe put one of those other activities in for five minutes first um and then if it's been a while since you've eaten then you know have that that balanced snack um i think that studying um and eating at the same time is something that i suggest folks don't do <laughs> um so trying to take that the few minutes and um eat separately um you know from what the the work that they're doing so you know i'll try to do that here just even for five or 10 minutes like it's a quick lunch because usually i'm like charting in between um but i do try to take just a, a few minutes to be like all right yep this i'm enjoying this this particular meal um for me, I have to do um, my workout first thing in the morning because that just that that starts the day off right. But everybody's different, so I would try to you know keep some kind of movement in, even if it's for a few minutes here or there. And um, during funnels, I think that it just helps with with it, the thinking piece. Um, and then something i figured out in in college and i think is, is still critical like after a certain point if i get too tired i'm just staring at what i'm looking at um, and i'm not productive at all so i think in many cases it's better to get some sleep um versus the the very worst um nutrition grade i ever got was because i thought i would try to pull a, an all-nighter um and I, like it was like the worse like I should have just gone to bed and like um you know like like gone with what I had versus tweaking it in any case so I think just just trying to um incorporate some some rest in there and, and fuel regularly and just take those deep breaths are important
0: yes we talk about that all the time about how important sleep is and regulating your hunger signals and all of that your hormones so yeah that's great advice Kelly okay so should we move on to questions from some of the students okay got got it. A couple here. yeah mm-hmm. so, so the first one here says i'm not really a fan of eggs how mm-hmm. could i implement protein into my breakfast okay so
2: um a couple of different options um if they are um able to eat peanut butter um or yogurt um, i have a lot of folks kind of create like like oat bowls if you will where they add in, um peanut butter or yogurt or both um the dining services actually has a plant-based egg if, they, if it's that they don't like actual animal eggs and um, that could be an option if they just don't like the taste and that's probably not very helpful in non-covid times and um, they they often have um like some beans available so some people will put together like a little like they prefer more like a savory breakfast so on um, you know non-covid times there, there's a, a few more options uh, but usually i'm going for the the nut butter or the um the yogurt
1: any suggestions for chronic fatigue i already take iron slash b12 to treat deficiencies
2: so a lot of times when i meet with folks the the big culprit is their timing um so so many um and it's not just students like this is like universal where people they get up. they try to sleep in a little bit later, they skip breakfast, they may or may not have time for lunch. And the first time they eat is like later in the afternoon, and their body's just like, and then you know, by the time they eat, they're like ravenous. And then they end up like what I call backloading with their eating, um, and they wake up and they're not hungry, and the cycle perpetuates. So the first thing I would look at, and um individual would be like, what do you does meal timing, and snack timing look like, and I would try to make sure that they were getting um, consistent um, bouts of fuel throughout the day and then I also try to make sure that meals and snacks are balanced with a little bit of protein since it takes um a few hours to digest that and that helps to keep um blood sugar energy levels um more stabilized so I I'd, I'd probably be looking at those two features um first to, to see if we can make just any um easy adjustments with that
1: um so that's all we had for today do you have any other questions for us or anything else you would like to tell our listeners no, I,
2: I think that this is fantastic. I think any opportunity to you know kind of get the pulse, of uh, people interested in nutrition is amazing. Um, and feedback and communication is always I think so critical for making sure that that we're all helping each other, right? So that we're um, helping to make sure that the um, options are available that are desired on campus. Um, you know, knowing the resources that are here and just knowing that that we have this this group. Of, of, of like folks that that you know we're here to support each other so you know please if anybody if I can help with anything or you know expand on any, anything please don't hesitate to reach out and put my contact information um, out there for everybody.
0: Okay yeah we will be sure to do that. Thank you so much Kelly you were so insightful <laughs> and brought such great energy to our podcast today and we just really appreciate you being here. Oh. This was a
1: this was really great and the fact that you were our first guest speaker too. It was just we felt so accomplishing, like that finally we have a guest speaker and it got to be you. But let's wrap up today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. We post every week, every other week or so, but it's Thursday morning whenever we record. And we will see you next time. Bye guys. Bye,
0: Bye Kelly. Thank
1: you.